I don't know if you've watched any baseball lately, but there's a new thing in baseball, and before the guy comes up to hit, who's next, if you can get, believe this or not, they have a walk-up song. Uh, you pick a walk-up song that will be played over the loud system at your home games, and, and there, you know, come striving to the plate or whatever song they pick. It's kind of cool to find players who pick Christian songs. Well... I feel like I've had a walk-up song, this entire series of Ecclesiastes, you know, and now it's Father's Day, and we're not in Ecclesiastes, I'm waiting for a walk-up song, but um, hey, this is a, a shameless plug to say we have one more week, uh, we have one more week in the, our study of Ecclesiastes next Sunday, and I'm looking for you to offer the song, the closing song, I've gotten many great suggestions already. Jay Jakes at orangewood.org. Uh, read that last section of Ecclesiastes. See if a song comes. Say, man, we got to close with that. Uh, and if you do win, uh, huge prizes for you. Uh, we'll probably give you some leftover bags of beans that we have uh, not given away here. I don't know. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, uh, the short passage we're going to be looking at will be in the bulletin for you. But as we begin, I have a confession to make, an apology to give, an excuse to offer. Now let's just stop right there and say, some of you are thinking, this could be a good Sunday. I didn't know. But if a preacher starts off saying he's got a confession to make, an apology to give, an excuse to offer, it could at least be interesting. Well, I I hope so. But here, here it is. As a pastor, as a pastor, I don't really like Father's Day. And I really don't like Mother's Day. And to be honest with you, I don't really like many holiday weekends. Because on Father's Day, there's always this pressure, or Mother's Day, or whatever, to to preach a topical sermon on fathers and and Father's Day. And there's several reasons why I kind of uh, go against it. For one, it's this, is I know that not everyone here is a father, right? Uh, And, you know, you kind of, uh, people will come and feel like, well, gosh, I'm here on Father's Day. I wanted to hear about God, uh, and I'm hearing about fathers. By the way, if that's you, good news, I promise you this message will be about your heavenly father. But still, even that, uh, you realize that with Father's Day, there's many of you that that are hurting because it's Father's Day. Many of you have memories of a father that you'd like to forget. Or maybe some of you had a great father, but you've lost, and it's painful. Or, or again, maybe some of you just know that that's something I wish I was, but I, I am not. And so, and so it's hard. It's simply hard day for many. And to preach a sermon that reminds people of what's hard, uh, sometimes it's a little bit difficult. You know what else Father's Day does? It kind of rudely interrupts what you're already doing. It's like that kid that says, stop what you're doing and look at me, Right? I mean, you're going through Ecclesiastes, but Father's Day is here, so stop what you're doing and look at me uh, and gear your message toward me. Well, another difficulty with this is is this. Oftentimes, you're like Father's Day, you're so tempted to to preach a sermon about your own bias, right? Like the way I see fathers and and the way my life has been shaped by fathers. So you want to make sure that you're sticking to the text. Well, that's my confession. My confession is I don't like Father's Day as a pastor, very grateful for them as a father. Well, an apology to offer too. Well, this sermon is going to have, which maybe you say all yours do, Jeff, but this sermon is going to have a lot of personal experience, 
personal stories woven in them. I mean, I'm preaching on Father's Day. I'm going to draw from my own resources uh, to talk about this. They say that preaching, you hear this, they say preaching is truth through personality. Truth through personality is a definition of, of preaching. And I'll try my best to preach clear truth, but I know that a lot of uh, stories will be in the way here. So hopefully that won't dominate the sermon. Um, and again, that's my apology. This may, I don't want it to feel like this is Jeff's home slides, you know? And so, and then lastly, an explanation to give. I typically plan out, I try to plan out about a year's worth of sermons and go through different uh, sermon series. And knowing that the month of June, I had General Assembly a couple of weeks ago. And just this last weekend, actually starting on Wednesday, I had the privilege of going to Tallahassee and, and marrying my niece and getting back yesterday. So knowing my month of June, I had scheduled Jim Cofield to come preach on Father's Day. I mean, he's a RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary, uh, trains counselors, uh, great with Father's Day stuff. And he agreed to preach for me a long time ago. Then he got an offer to go to Colorado when he took it. What kind of friend is that? I think he realized it's not 100 degrees in Colorado. I think I might want to go there. Well, today our, our focus on Father's Day will be on famous last words. Uh, the famous last words that God the Father, uh, God the Heavenly Father, will, will actually audibly give to God the Son before his earthly mission. Before Jesus is going to launch out publicly to save the world. I mean, of all missions, of, of all things that were ever done in history, I mean, this is, this is it. I mean, this is the climax. This is the turning point where God's Son has come to, to rescue you and to rescue me by living the life we were supposed to live, by dying a death we deserve to die, by being resurrected. I mean, this is the mission that God would put on flesh and walk among us. I mean, this is, this is the height of God's plan. And so we have the privilege of hearing right before a public launch into Jesus' ministry, what are the last words the Father's going to tell him? What would your last words be? Have you given any last words to maybe a, a child who's heading off to college or, or maybe a, a, a child who's about to get married or, or for some maybe even a child who's gone into the military and maybe off to war? Or, uh, what would those last words be? Has anybody offered to you some last words, maybe in similar settings, uh, right before you go? I mean, I think sitting here in the next service, I'll probably have my line of World War II veterans, and including Don Holmes, uh, who flew like 31 missions in World War II. I wonder what the last words his, his father would say to him before he goes on a task like that. Well, we're going to see that the Heavenly Father has words uh, for His Son. And the great thing is, is this. It's not just for His Son. If we are Christians, it's for you. It's, it's for me. And we realize that there's three key things in these words. We're going to see the liberating validation of a father. The father has the power and authority uh, to really liberate their, their children and validate them. The irreplaceable affection of a father. I mean, the irreplaceable affection of a father, so profound, so deep. In my 10 years of student ministry and, and in my 13 plus years as, as senior pastor, I've, I've seen how, how powerful the, the loving words of a father is or, or how devastating 
when those words are absent. Because we really long to be, to be loved. To be loved by those who are close to us. And, and then lastly, the, the empowering gifting of a father. I mean, how, how should a father gift their, their child, their, their daughter, their son to, to go and manage this world? And we're going to see how the heavenly father has done that. So if you have your Bibles and you've turned with me to Matthew chapter 3, we're just going to pick up a couple of verses here. And this is, this is during Jesus' baptism. Uh, this is during, you know, the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. It's going to tell us about his birth, and it's going to tell us about Jesus' lineage, lineage. And now it's going to basically be his public launch in the ministry. And it's going to be at the point of his baptism where we'll see God so profoundly uh, portrayed. One of the things I want you to see here is the triune God that we know and love, because you're going to see a father, and you're going to see a son, and you're going to see a Holy Spirit. But this Father's Day, what I'd like us to, to bore down on and look intently at is this, is the words that the Father gives to the Son and how empowering those words are. Now again, the goal of this message is to see this, this uh, unfold before our eyes, but in a way that God unfolds it in your life. If you're a dad or you're not, you're male or you're female, you're young or you're old, you got to hear these words. Because these are God's words, and these are liberating words, and these are life-giving words. And each one of us needs to be reminded that, that the Father could speak to us with such tender words. Let's look at God's word. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter six, uh, 3, verse 16 and 17. And when Jesus was baptized... Immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Let us pray. Father God, I know that you have made us according to your word in your image. You have made us for yourself and the Bible tells us for your glory, for your renown, for your fame, that, that we are here to reflect who you are. We're here to tell your story. We're here to, to show your love. That's why you've created all things and that's why you've created us, male and female, in your image. And even then, although we've messed it up and sinned and rebelled against you, you, you wouldn't let go of your plan. You, you wouldn't stop your love. And you demonstrated that so clearly in the face of your son, Jesus. And so, God, because we are here for you and we were created for you, God, what we need more than anything is to know whose we are. What we need more than anything to know that that we are, are accepted, that we are loved, that we are yours. And God, that's what your word is telling us this morning in Christ Jesus. For those of us by your grace that have placed everything we have in, to nail-pierced hands. So God, would you, would you come and would you be the teacher, the preacher this morning in a way that you and you alone speak through a broken sinner like me? Would you give us ears to hear your voice and, and minds to understand your word and, and hearts to embrace your love? 
And may these words echo in our lives to the point where we walk in a manner worthy of your name. The things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true, that contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your only begotten, beloved son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you want to follow along in uh, in your bulletin with an outline, it's there for you. The first thing we're going to see in this little passage of Scripture is the liberating validation of of a father. The liberating validation of a father. Have you ever read through the Bible? Let me encourage you to do it. It's an amazing story. I mean, it's God's Word. It's so rich. And if you read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation... One of the things you're going to discover about God is that he, he really does love to use personal pronouns. That God loves to use personal pronouns, especially when it comes to describing you and me, his, his people. He, he used, loves to use the word my. My people. My children. My beloved as a matter of fact, uh, when we go to something like baptism and covenant baptism, we are, we are reminded the words of God echoes into the sanctuary, into our souls, that, that God says, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. I love you. And the validation of a God who, who calls us his. And this little passage that we see of, of Jesus' baptism, two elements of a healthy father-child relationships are given here. Two very clear, healthy uh, patterns that all earthly fathers, grandfathers, mothers, leaders should follow. One is this, is identifying with his son. He wants the world to know, this is my, this is my beloved son. How beautiful to have God identify so clearly to say mine. This one, this boy, he's mine. So you see how the father identifies with his son. The second thing you see is how a father approves of his son. And this is before his earthly ministry. And again, he's been a, he's been a spotless lamb of God. He's been a good boy. But he's saying, in whom I am well pleased. The liberating validation of a father. How many of you are still longing for it? How many of you have never heard the words, I'm well pleased. How many of you have never had a, a, a father put his hand on your shoulder and you say, you look you in the eye and say, you are my boy. You are my son. Regardless of the way you act, regardless of where you'll find yourself, you are mine. And because of the reality that you are mine, I am well pleased. You see, every child has, has a longing, a longing to know whose they are first. Whose am I? I mean, who am I? A child will never really know who they are until they first understand whose they are. And here you have the God of the universe say, I want to begin by saying, you're mine. You are my son. And who you are is worth my pleasure. Let's hit pause. We live in a society that we give away pleasure and, and accolades so much on based of, of actions and attitudes and, and the way someone lives. 
And so many times a, a child can only feel validated when they're, they're being the good boy, they're being the good girl. When they've done the right thing, they've made the right grades, they've, they've made the team, they've gotten the hit, they've, they've, they've gotten the, the last kill of the game, then they can feel like they're validated, then they can feel like they're special. Parents, if that's the way we raise our children, to only feel like we could give them validation through their performance, we have done them a great disservice. A parent needs to validate his child because it's their child. They've made in the image of God, no matter who they are, no matter what they struggle with, with whatever conditions they may have, we have the privilege of representing the Father to our children, to act like the Father, say, that's my boy, that's my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. We need to separate as much as we can the behavior from the person and being pleased with them, especially when they grow up. <laughs> because there's been times they drive you nuts. There'll be times you want to say, you're my kid and you're driving me absolutely crazy. But I still love you. And you're mine. And that's both good and bad. It's amazing how often we want to praise and lavish our kids only when they do well. And what we create is a sense of insecurity sometimes that you will only be validated when you succeed. I'm telling you, parents, some of the greatest power you have is to validate your children when they fail. And remind them of their worth in Christ Jesus. That Jesus came for the broken and the sinful and the needy. My people become my sons and daughters in Jesus. I mean, he calls us more than just his people. He calls us his beloved sons, his, his daughters. You know that through the years I've loved telling stories of, of seeing my kids grow up. And one of the joys I had was coaching their teams, both my daughters and my sons. But I loved it, especially at the times like in Maitland Little League when, when they would wear the names on their back. And there I was as a coach, and I, and I loved those children. I loved being able to, to teach them like a game of baseball or, or basketball or something. And to see them take the field and all their youth and exuberance, it's phenomenal. But there's one that ran on the field that took my name. I could look out there and say, that's, that's the one that bears my name. That's the one that that I really love. That's the one who's going home in my minivan. That's my beloved son. He, he, he strikes out every time. That's my son. He throws it over the backside. That's my son. He's got my name. And what a great joy that is. You see, as Christians, here's the beauty of, of Christianity. It's, it's the fact that, that God has, has given us a jersey to wear. Are you right for this? That, that bears the name of Jesus. It's incredible that, that God would take all of our filth and our brokenness and our unrighteousness and he'd place it on Jesus as a, on the cross. And there's this great exchange that was made so that, so that we could be identified, we could be known as God's beloved son in Christ Jesus. So no matter where you are, no matter what you do, I mean, it's, it's just as if the Father in heaven can see us take the field in life wearing the name of the beloved Son, Jesus. So how do you, you wonder, say, how can God approve of me? I'm a mess. I don't even approve of me. I mean, how can God call me beloved because I'm so far from it? Well, the beautiful thing about Christianity that in Christ Jesus, we have the privilege of wearing and having his name and identity. A dad, power to validate his son by saying, I'm pleased of you and be who you are. 
I was a third generation phone company kid. My grandfather worked for New York Telephone. My father worked for New York Telephone. And out of college, my first job in New York City, Manhattan, I worked for the phone company. Third generation Jakes, third generation phone company kid. And, and although my dad, grandfather came over from uh, England and never lost his wonderful accent and really a blue-collar guy who made his way up, my, my dad did very well, was very successful in business. And now I was uh, the young gun that people knew, the Jakes boy. I love my dad. We're, we're so much I want to be like my dad. And we're, we're worlds apart. My dad does things like plan. Uh, my dad, he's thoughtful. I mean, my dad believes in something that they call delayed gratification. I don't know what that means. I would open up drawers in his house and he would have things he bought still in their wrappers because they're not ready to be opened and enjoyed yet. You know, I'm the kid who, who opened it up and had a stain on it before it got home, you know. And I knew that one thing was true, that, that, that I, I love my dad, but I also realized that I was so different than my dad. As a matter of fact, I remember working for the company in college. I had a summer job, and, and there was a big warehouse that, that my father was, was helping run. And, and uh, I was a, a summer intern that was driving a little delivery truck. And when they saw me surfing down the conveyor belt, they said, that's Bill Jakes' son? It can't be. See, I knew how different I was than him. And one day, early on, as I was working in the same company that he and my grandfather had worked for, he gave me some of the most liberating words he ever gave me. I'll never forget them. It was actually at a campfire at my folks' cottage in upstate New York. And he said, Jeffrey, don't ever change who you are. Be who you are. I remember what he said. He said specifically, he says, people are going to like you because you have a good personality. They can't wait to take me down because I'm, I'm kind of a mean guy. You know my dad, if you know him, he's not that mean. But what he really did was, was validate me. What he really did was to say, it's okay to be you. It's okay to, to, to be the person God made you. And I can tell you the, the absolute liberating validation of a father. Have you given that to your children? Have you ever received that from your father? If you haven't, look to the heavenly father. For all of you, listen, for all of you, no matter who you are, father, mother, child, old, young, you and I need to be validated by our heavenly father. And that's what we get in Christ Jesus. We get the beautiful thing that says, that is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And that's what we get in Jesus. How incredible. The second thing we see is the irreplaceable affection of the father. This is my beloved son. Beloved, a father needs to be affectionate with his children in words, in deeds. And I, I'm so grateful for an earthly father that invested so much time in me. I, I knew that I was beloved by not only the words of a father would tell me, I love you, but also the things he would show me. I mean, it was a custom of his to always park his company car far enough away that he really wouldn't be seen by too many, but he would always want to come by the football field and stop, watch the practice at the end to watch us play. And I just knew, I just knew my dad cared enough to, to, to make a couple extra turns and to stop and to depart far enough away that he wasn't really going to get in the coach's way. And, and maybe no one else knew, but I want you to know I never forgot. I never forgot for the times that I would see them at my events, no matter what I did, there saying, that's my beloved son. 
make a child your priority. But here's what's so important, because I think that we've, we've gone overboard. Can we be honest? Can we talk? Make a child your priority. But if your child is the center of your life, you have a problem. You are into idolatry. And it seems to me that we live in a society now that, that we got to make sure our children know they're beloved. But we also got to make sure they know that they're not the center of the world. They shouldn't be the center of your family. They shouldn't be the center of your marriage. They shouldn't be the center of their classroom. They shouldn't be the center of anything. Jesus should be. And let me tell you, it's so important for us to the irreplaceable affection of a father that's so liberating as well. You know, one of the greatest things, those of you who are married with children, that you could give your child, I would say the greatest thing outside of a love of Jesus is a healthy marriage. If, you're, if your family is focused on your kids, first and foremost, you're out of line. Focus on your marriage. Show them what a marriage looks like. Show them what it looks like to love a spouse well. That's the greatest gift that you could pass on apart from Jesus. Lastly, the empowering gifting of a father. So you have Jesus about ready to be sent off to ministry and, and the, uh, be sent out to give his life for us. And what's a father want to do? He wants to make sure he validates his son and say, you're mine. He wants to make sure he's empowering his son, saying you're beloved. And he also wants to gift his son, prepare him for the journey. And so what does he give? Well, he gives what only he can give. He, he gives the Holy Spirit. He gives the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to empower you now with, with part of the triune God for your journey. And what we have to do as earthly fathers as well as, and mothers is to empower our, our children for the journey. I'm going to tell you a couple ways that my dad empowered me. My dad showed me humility. i never forget, I, I transferred to a new school in sixth grade. And, and we, as we were sizing up uh, everybody in the classroom, I, I came into Sean Riley. And Sean Riley, pretty big kid, intimidating kid. Um, he and I realized that our dads both worked for the phone company. And Sean made it clear and he announced it right away. Well, I, I know my dad works for the phone company. I'm sure my dad's higher up than your dad. And I, I just took it and said, okay, I, I, all right, Sean, sure, I'm sure he does. So I was anxious to my dad to get home that day. And I said, dad, can I, can, do you know a guy named Mr. Riley? Oh, yeah, I know Mr. Riley. Well, dad, who's higher up? Are you higher up or is he higher up? And my dad said, you know what, Jeff, we both work for the same company. We do different jobs. But we really are on the same company. We're on the same team. Uh, it doesn't really matter who's higher up. And he didn't really tell me. Well, the next day I went to school and I didn't have an answer. I just know they worked on the same team. And here comes Sean Riley with his head down. Oh, man. My dad said, your dad's way higher than he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I saw humility. You didn't have to tell me. And I was shaped by that. My dad showed me a shepherd's heart. <laughs> you know, even to this day, for those of you who are, are members, he'll ask me every week, have you seen so-and-so lately? Where, 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 where are they? I mean, it's amazing the shepherd's heart. It's amazing uh, the gift he has of loving people. And I've really believed that so much of a pastor's heart's been shaped by him. My dad showed me grace. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember it was take your child to work day. Uh, you remember those days? Anybody ever have take, you ever go to work? Anybody else go to work with their parents? I don't know if they do that anymore. It's probably some OSHA law. They don't let you any go near it or something. Something went wrong and you can't do it. And you might know, how many of y'all went to work with your parent day? 
Three or four of y'all? Well, I, we, we had a go to work with your, your mom or dad day. I went to work with my dad. And again, I told you now a couple of times, my dad worked for the phone company. And he was kind of like in our town, the, the top dog in the phone company. Well, the first thing he did is have a conference call. And my dad, because listen, my dad had a car phone before there were car phones. I still know how it worked. And it was literally a huge phone that you could pick up and call on. I mean, the only one who had a car phone, we had it. But he was such a company man, we couldn't touch it. We just looked at it. Wow, that's amazing. Maybe it didn't even work. Who knows? Maybe it was just there. But I know occasionally we could call home on it. It was incredible. So the first thing my dad does is he has a conference call. So he's got on all these different people, and they're going through a conference call. And right in the middle of his desk was a really cool toggle thing. What does a little kid want to do? Well, what's that? Click. Oh, it disconnects the phone call. <laughs> oh, this is so cool. <clears throat> Dial tone. Well, he called his everybody back. He got him back on the line. And man, he was catching it. He was catching it saying, Jakes, I thought you worked for the phone company. You know, what kind of, what kind of a system do you have there? You're disconnecting all your calls. Jakes, what's wrong with the phone company? And he had every right to say, you know what, I got, I got my snotty-nosed kid here who can't keep his hands off of everything. It's take your kid to work day, and so would you all just pray for me because I'm going to have this day with this kid. He just wore it. He just wore it. He's like, oh, man, yeah, you guys are right. You got me. You see, a, a good dad shows grace and covers sin and shame. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is that all the things that we've done wrong and all, all the things we've disconnected and all, all the things we've messed up, we got a God who says, I'll wear it. I'll wear it. I'll own it so you don't have to. I'll, I'll take the shame. I'll bear the blame so you don't have to. A father who shows grace and covers sin and shame. But I also had a father who showed me a need of a savior. Why? Because man, I could see he was a sinner. He was a sinner. And my dad needed a great savior because there's times he was a great sinner. And I think as, as fathers, we've, we've somehow, we somehow live our lives as if we gotta be perfect, as if somehow we have to be the ones who are Jesus. And, and let me tell every father, aspiring father, every mother, aspiring mother, every grandparent, every child, you don't have to be Jesus. You're not. And one of the greatest things you could give parents, your child is ready for this, the, the show them that you need Jesus. <laughs> And it's okay to be broken. It's okay to, to be sinful. I mean, you don't have to hide the fact. They see it. They know it. So you have the great privilege of living your life as a broken sinner, desperately needing God's grace. And you're ready for this. When you find it, be quick to repent. And when you find it, be quick to embrace. The greatest gift you could give your children is being you in love with Jesus. And all your mess and all your brokenness. And just cling. And just, just to realize and say, you got to see him. Because if you look at me, you're going to see nothing but brokenness. And I'm very grateful for a dad who showed me the need of a savior. You see, for all of us, 
what we long for, whether we're a father or we'll never be, or male or female, for all of us, what we long for is found in our connection with Jesus by God's grace through faith. You see, these words, these empowering words that the Father gave to the Son, they're, they're God's words. They're, they're for you. I mean, God wants you to sit there right now and hear these words in Christ Jesus. You are mine. And I am well pleased with you. You are my beloved child in Christ Jesus. Whose you are is so important. His love will never fail. His love is not conditional. He loves you because he loves you. And he loves you in Christ Jesus. And he loves you perfectly. Everything that needed to be fulfilled, everything that was temporal or conditional was met in Christ Jesus so that everything we receive is eternal and unconditional. Crazy about you. Why? Because he was crazy about Jesus. And that's the way he sees us. And that's what he offers to each one of you, to those of you who are fathers and to those of you who aren't. What he offers is, uh, is this, the liberating validation of a father. He offers us the irreplaceable affection of a father. And he offers us the empowering gift of the Holy Spirit as a father. He wants us to send us out like he sent out his only begotten son on our mission, knowing that we are his, knowing that we are loved, and knowing that we are equipped. As I close, let me challenge those of you who have a wayward child, make a call today. Make a call. For those of you who uh, are a child that's wayward and, you know, maybe it's your parents' issue, let me encourage you. As it's up to you, be at peace with all men as much as it's up to you for each one of us. But for all of us, please do not leave here not knowing and tasting the love of the Father found in the work of the Son. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you love us as a father. It's interesting because for some people it's a hard thing to be uh, loved by a God whose father because their earthly father was such a mess or unknown. But God, you have decided to describe yourself and that's who you are as everlasting father. And so God, I pray for each one of our, our hearts that you and you alone will bring the liberating validation we need that we're yours. And God, if there's anyone here that's outside of your family that today by your grace, usher them into your presence and let them experience and know the eternal love you have for us in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for a love that will not quit, for, for being a, uh, calling us your beloved children. And that is who we are in Christ Jesus. That is who we are. You're crazy about us in Christ Jesus. You've made us in your image. You've washed us through the, the blood of your Son, and you've filled us with your, your, your Holy Spirit. And God, we thank you that you've gifted us for the journey. You didn't leave us alone or as orphans. And what you've called us to do, you've empowered us to do in Christ Jesus. So God, may each one of us know the empowering love of the Father as seen in the work of the Son. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.